0: about a regenerative paradigm and practice in organizations. Carol Sanford, welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Great to be here, John. Thanks for wel- welcoming me back.
0: Yeah, it is fun to be with you again. You're joining us from the Seattle area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah, and today we're going to be talking about a regenerative paradigm and practice in organizations. Now that that sounds super uh, complex, um, and I suppose in a way it is, but it's also fairly um, straightforward. So we're going to unpack that and talk about some of the principles there and how it can be applied in our leadership in our organizations. to to make everything work better, more smoothly, with with stronger impact. As we get started, I wanted to share Carol's bio with everybody. Carol Sanford is a consistently positive contrarian, working side by side with Fortune 500 and new paradigm executive teams in designing and leading systemic business change and work design. Through her university and in-house educational offerings, global speaking platforms, multi-award winning books, business and human development work, Carol works to disrupt old paradigm thinking. The effect is revealing the possibility to change the nature of work through developing people and work systems that ignite motivation everywhere. The result is a vital and viable organization, social and planetary processes, and meaningful lives of all involved, and a citizenry with critical thinking skills and personal self-managing capacity. I love all of that. Tremendous, (laughs) important work that you're doing. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on just, in?
1: Yeah, I think just for fun, to tell people that's not all pie in the sky, the companies I work with have published their results of 35 to 65% improvement in revenue in the first year or even five years. And uh, that's even in commodity businesses. So we also make sure businesses work, but they do it through make a difference in the world that will help all of us.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I really like abundance mindset. You know, having a fixed pie, zero-sum game mindset just creates dynamics of unhealthy competition where people are undermining each other rather than lifting each other. And I, I really do believe Um, that we live in a world of disruptive innovations and capabilities. And if we take an abundance approach, there's going to be enough for everyone and we're all going to succeed. So I like how that's kind of your your foundational framing.
1: And I want to give people one way they can see how that makes sense. Because to a lot of people, that sounds like plunder the earth, right? But what you will see as we talk, is that regeneration really is supplanting and displacing all those things that none of us need, but we forgot that we don't need them. And so suddenly there's so much more energy available. So I've never used the term abundance mindset, but that's what it means to me.
0: Yeah. And you you do bring up a very good point. How much of what we do every day is actually necessary? How much of it is just cultural artifact, societal yeah. norms, things that we have carried forward for no other reason than that's what we've always mm. done. And we haven't taken the time to step back and think about it and see whether or not it's necessary. And so if we can do some pruning of our lives, pruning of our organizations, pruning of our work, and then adopt new processes that help us to be more effective, more efficient, And do things in a sustainable way, then all of a sudden you can focus on these new avenues without actually, you know, it's not like having to now work 60 hours instead of 50 hours to get more done. It's it's literally finding a way to get, you know, half of your work week shifted into something that's more productive, more beneficial, right?
1: Well, I think there's one other thing that we take for granted and don't understand, which is, and I think it's our subject today which is you have to actually shift how you see the world, your paradigm. And we that's very, very, very unbelievably hard to do because we become very mechanical, attached, identified with, you know, if you change that, my whole world falls apart. So the ability to do that, I think depends on this conversation and what underlies all of my work, which is paradigm shifting. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Paradigm shifting is so essential, and it is so challenging because it goes against the grain of human nature and evolutionary psychology. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like we like what we're used to. We get into patterns, into habits, and we like to be around sameness. And so, when we start to disrupt that, it can cause dissonance and 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 discomfort. And a lot of people are going to run from that discomfort, thinking that that's a sign that they shouldn't be doing it. And you know, cognitive dissonance. Um can be a sign that you're just learning and growing and moving right. into a, a better direction, so I think all of that's great, and something you just said that you know resonated with me i I, I consider myself a pretty creative guy a, a pretty yeah. entre- entrepreneurial guy um i I consider myself at times to be a fairly innovative guy, yet it always blows my mind when I catch myself yeah. um getting too stuck into old ways of thinking and then almost always inexplicably what ends up happening. It's usually when I'm out walking my dogs, but I'm walking my dogs and we're just kind of, I'm casually just walking around, talking to my dogs, whatever, just kind of enjoying the scenery. And then all of a sudden something flips in my head and I'm like, wait a minute, why have I been looking, you know, I have a particular problem or a particular right. challenge and I've been stuck on it. And, and then all of a sudden I just, the, the, the switch flips and I realize there's no reason I need to be locked into this narrow paradigm of how I'm going to solve this problem. Uh, And then all of a sudden the whole world opens up and then I lo and behold, you come up with a creative solution. Like the number of times that I can remember that happening. And every Mm -hmm. time I think, Oh, how dumb am I that? I couldn't see it sooner, you know, but that, that is the world we're in. And that's how, how challenging it can be to get out of your own way.
1: So again, I'm thinking, I'm listening through the years of people who uh, are are comfortable with what they've gotten. They, and a few of them would think, God, I wish I could do with that, what John just said. I don't even understand how. And I have a speculation. Let me share it with you about why that can happen. You have an intention to do that as often as you can. You're in a community, including your podcasts, of people who talk about that, who work on it. So you're creating sort of a field in which that's more likely to happen. If you live in a world where you haven't had that thought very often, you aren't a community of where it's being approached, and you're reading about it and you're uh, honoring when you do it, it won't happen to you very often. So I believe you have set yourself up to be more likely to bring that into your life, and therefore into all of our lives.
0: I think you're probably right. I, I put myself in a context in a situation yeah. where perhaps that can happen, mm-hmm. but then it just it reminds me. I mean, still, I, I find myself stuck all the time. Sure, <laughs> right. Too. And so, e- even when I'm con- consciously trying to push the boundaries of my thinking um, and, yeah. and, and, and look at things from different directions, I still find myself stuck. And then all of a sudden, something happens. And so, th- this, this paradigm shifting, even when you're super conscious of, of the need and you're actively trying to do it, it's not something, at least in my experience, it's not something that I can force, but I can create you know, I can't have habits and I can't put myself in context and situations where it's more likely to bubble up. Um, so that all of a sudden I can have those aha moments. And so, yeah, I'm going to try to do that as often as I can. Um, and, and I appreciate it every time it happens. And most of the really great things that have happened in my life and the new directions and the new improvements and things like that have happened that way where all of a sudden I just feel, I just realized, wait a minute, there is zero reason why I actually have to keep doing what I've been doing or why I have to do it that way. I've just been doing it because I felt like that's what I had to do. That's what other people said I had to do. That's how, what I thought I had to do. And now all of a sudden I have more potential, more opportunities. Um, so that's, it's a really enlivening and and empowering kind of an experience to have that, uh, if we can just foster kind of that, that not only the attitude, but the, the environment around us where we have that support.
1: Okay, so finally I get to disagree with you. I mean, my contrarianess. So I (laughs) I teach people how to do that intentionally. And I show them what the construct can look like so you don't just wait for it. Although I do believe you have to go for walks. A lot of mine happens at that. Letting the mind rest, kind of shut down. I believe that we mostly, the reason we're stuck is we think through uh, old paradigms that we can't see, and so we can't make them intentional shifts. We we know when something new comes in, but I teach people. Uh, well, let me let me tell you a story uh, that I learned about Einstein when I was uh, at Berkeley with one of his students or several of his students. He said the major paradigm we think through. It's a billiard ball model of Newtonian physics. Now, you know, what in the world does that mean? The way Einstein explained it, it what it wasn't billiard ball, it was pool, because it had pockets on the table. And he said, most of the things, the way we move the world around is we either are a ball on the table and we get hit, thrown in pockets and blame the world, or we are the cue stick working on the balls and we have to move them all. He said, all of that is a lie. It's a construct that was given to us uh, mostly by behavioral science. You can incentivize people, get them at pockets and so forth. What he said to his Princeton students was you have to have a quantum cosmology and basically a quantum cosmology is that when you move any one thing, even observe it, as we know from Heisenberg, other things move. And so learning how to, what he called nurture the matrix, because the way things happen is in a matrix where new things are happening and a lot of other things happen as a result. In other words, we can't actually pick a pocket, get stick, hit a ball and always get in the pocket. And even if you think about a ball on a table, many times we hit the wrong thing, but even if we hit the right thing, it doesn't go where we think it should. But life is more like a matrix, a womb. And so I teach people how you can learn to watch your own mind and your own effects, which is really what we're doing when we shift. You can see, if you'll allow me again to make up a story for you, you're you're watching you. You maybe have been trying to think about it or not. Just walking along and something disrupts you. That's more of a matrix experience. In a billiard ball, I'm going to go for this walk. I'm going to put this question in my mind. I'm going to figure it out. So, because I was at Berkeley in the 60s, I'm an old lady, right? And I got to study with Thomas Kuhn and the story of uh, the structured scientific revolution. And I learned about paradigms. And then I spent my life understanding, as he said to the whole class, which had been just to me, but he said, all of you, now your job is to figure out how how you help paradigms evolve. That intrigued me more than you can even imagine at 21 years old. And so I've developed ways that I believe we can learn to uh, prepare ourselves and engage with the matrix in a way we can support it choosing its path, not us choosing its pockets.
0: Yeah, I love I love that. I love that understanding. I love that framework. And we- we've been talking about paradigms. and As I introduced the topic for today, I talked about regenerative paradigms and right. practice. So maybe describe for us what that means to you. So within this kind of matrix con- construct, yeah. as you were just describing, and we recognize the need for... Paradigm shifts and to be flexible and open and abundant and and growth mindset, all these things, right? How yeah. do we how do we go about a regenerative paradigm kind okay. of an approach?
1: First, I get rid of the word growth mindset. That's barely, barely above fixed. <laughs> uh, what we want is a developmental mindset, which is how something grows and evolves. So let me give you <clears throat> my current working definition for a regenerative paradigm. It is a quantum paradigm. It is about working with the matrix. It's one that's been used in indigenous cultures for millennia. It's been with lineage teachers who I was lucky enough to get study with in India and Tibet and some places as I was younger. But the the key there is that it's about evolving capacity of an entity to express itself. So there's the matrix, right? But the other thing is our arrogance as humans have to go away against one another, against earth, against society where we think we know. And we learn to help the entity, which in the case of our womb, it might be a baby growing. In the case of a child growing up, it's a family, or in case of business, it's a culture. We all know that culture is one of the most powerful things that happens to organizations, but also nations. So if we really want to work regeneratively, we have to believe in the essence, the DNA of the being, the business, the community, that life shed it's in. And we do all the work we're going to do to evolve its capacity, not its actions, not control its outcome, but evolve its capacity to express itself. And if you learn how to see systems at work, you can you're learning regenerative thinking, you're learning indigenous thinking. I, have a, I was partly raised by a grandfather who was uh, not quite half Mohawk. Uh, and he lived on a, a reservation, Native American reservation in Eastern Oklahoma for his first 10 or 11 years. So he had enough of it inculcated that even though he didn't grow up inside of that his whole life, He taught me about the matrix by teaching me farming and caring for pigs and uh, whole arenas in which we live and talked about my job was not to determine its future or its destiny. My job was to support it choosing its own. That's regenerative paradigm because that's how the matrix works. That's what Heisenberg said. If we can see our effect, we know that er everything moves when we even have a thought a thought to observe something, we're moving things. So I teach people how to do that. And we've got several hundred people in community, many who've been there for 40 years. Many of them are head of uh, uh, their CEOs who wrote the forwards to one of my six books. Of DuPont or a Google executive or uh, Numi Tea, if you drink their tea, uh, seventh generation, all those folks have been learning this way of working, some with me for almost 40 years now.
0: Check out my new book, The Future Leader Creating and Transforming Next Gen organizations stemming from two decades of professional experience and over 600 in-depth interviews with executives thought leaders and scholars from across the globe the future leader will help you explore the ordinary everyday actions that will help you to prepare to lead in the future of work to respond to an uncertain future and to produce extraordinary results for individuals teams and organizations we look forward to having you join us. Yeah, I think that's great. And I really do love the term regenerative. Uh, yeah. I think that is fantastic. Uh, tell So you've referred a couple of times now to kind of your process um, and how you can help people uh, to, to adopt a regenerative paradigm and to start to have that influence their practice and their leadership and their organizations Hmm. maybe give us a few ideas on what we can start doing today uh, as we're trying to um, adopt that kind of a mindset that kind of a shift in the way we view the world
1: yeah so remember it's not going to be about doing because regeneration is not about doing today it's about working on me and how i understand but for one thing i want to say the word regeneration which i've been using and the man I got it from had been using a total of between, it total between almost 100 years now. The problem is that it's been greenwashed, and so people think they're, I could do something tomorrow, then I'd be regenerative. Regeneration is me this minute. remember to wake me up. You remember to wake you up to the other paradigm. Because if I do anything without being awake, I will do it from the old paradigm. So I can't give you a regenerative practice because there's no such thing. There's no such thing as a fully regenerative company, like an in state. What it's about is if people want to start working on this is start tracking which of these four, I'm gonna give you four paradigms. And all you do is get a journal, split the page down the middle. On the left-hand side, write what you're doing or said or thinking. On the other side, ask, am I in an extractive paradigm where I think all it's about is me getting more out of putting in less? Right, that's the current driving one It has been for a long time. Am I in a rest disorder paradigm where I can see that that's crazy? You can't keep extracting i have to stop me from being so wasteful uh and i have to get other people to do i have to get laws passed i have to lay my body down which i did at berkeley in front of the police cars or or tanks or whatever was coming through that's an arrest disorder and i had so little effect it's hard to believe and i think i made things work so if i can see him in that paradigm saying hmm well, maybe I should be in a do-good paradigm, number three. So do-good sounds good, doesn't it, right? Oh, I'm a good person. I go out and do good for people. That is the equivalent also of the colonizing paradigm. We go take over a country, or and mostly this is for resources. We go to the new world, uh, the new trade route, and often we carry our values with us and we impose them. So when you say you're going to do good, you have to ask, by whose definition am I doing good? So 99% of the time, almost all of his human beings are in one of those three to get to a regenerative paradigm and say, am I actually starting with where this being is trying to go? You know, what is John seeking to create with his listeners, what I'm trying to invite people to see in the world? And can I see that my own ego is getting in the way? Can I see my own arrogance is thinking I know better than they do for them. Let me tell you what you should know. Uh, if I can notice and activate myself dropping by judgment, seeing, and I mean, seeing and listening with the meta-text, with the, the, the experience they're seeking, where they're trying to be, that will change the world people say all the time, I want to change the world. I want to do something great. If you can just get yourself out of the old lower three paradigm, you will change the world, but you have to do it over and over every morning. And every time you go to sleep yep. and every time you make love, all of those knock you out of consciousness.
0: Yeah, no, that's wonderful. And so what I'm hearing, and, and maybe you would term it differently. Um, but what I'm hearing is if, if we have any hope of getting into this regenerative paradigm, it's going to start with critical self-reflection and really truly looking at ourselves in the mirror daily, like getting into a daily uh, habit of making sure that we're doing self-reflective mindfulness practices that will then give us, create the context in which we have the opportunity uh, to start to see things in in a new way. Uh, otherwise, we're otherwise we're just getting stuck in the same yeah. old paradigms and just playing out our world in those same paradigms over and over and over again.
1: Well, I would I would modify that a bit not just because language, because I think I mean a couple of things slightly differently, although intentionally the same. What we need to do is be non-judgmental, self-observing. So you say critical, and that can mean a lot of things. That can mean critical things, thinking skills, and then I would say yes. And that, means- that's what
0: i mean not okay. not self-shaming not right. self yeah not self-critical or in the way that we're ourselves right. up. So
1: if you can yeah. do that i just want to make sure people know that because i hear people beating themselves up i'm so people send me emails i'm so mechanical and once you start doing this work you're shocked as you said i'm shocked at how, how mechanical i am and the other thing is that the habit is a brilliant idea but you know how it's a part of the problem we've got, right? i I do keep a journal. I carry it around with me literally when I leave my apartment, I carry my journal with me. and i I seeing it and changing uh, the, I put stickers on it to get my attention, remember, you're out, you're about to and I pick times. I choose timing like I'm not allowed to lay down in my bed until I've done two things, floss my teeth and write in my journal right so you have to set yourself up and work at it and then maybe we'll get lucky and there's a habit
0: yeah yeah certainly habits are are challenging for sure uh you know all of this is just so fascinating and ultimately at the crux of everything we've been talking about it's just a willingness to take a second look at what we take for granted what we think we know (laughs) <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and that's, and, and I don't even want to frame it as arrogance. Um, but if if we can, if we can adopt that kind of intellectual humility, that yeah. maybe what, what our experiences have been, what we know, what we think we know, aren't necessarily what it needs to be or how it could be in the future. And in fact, there may be more expansive, uh, completely different opportunities in, in our path uh, that we have yet to foresee because of, of our old paradigms, if we can just start to get into that mindset, I think that makes a huge, huge difference. And, and it's not magical. It's not like all of a sudden, everything's going to change overnight. Like you said earlier, it has to be like something we work, we do every day, right? Like we just have to work on our mindset and work on our paradigm and be and recognize that this is going to be an ongoing lifelong challenge. It's not something we ever arrive at. Or at least I've never met anyone who's arrived.
1: Maybe the Dalai Lama, but he even says no.
0: Right, right.
1: I do something called essence reveals or teach people to see the essence of things, the moving of a life shed or a a breed of animal or a particular human. My particular nature of essence is to disrupt certainty. And I do it to people all the time. You, You think you know And I do it to me. That's what my journaling is about. Because I do think that there is a practice which is valuable, not to achieve an end, as you just said, but to achieve a love of being immersed in the practice of being able to catch me and grow me. So, most of what you said, I I deeply agree with.
0: I love it. Carol, it has just been a pleasure we could go on and on. I would love to just pick your brain and and learn more from you all day long, but I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute and let you get on with your busy day. Before we wrap up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, uh, where they can find your most recent books and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: My uh, primary website is (laughs) carolsanford.com. It's all about me, right? Uh, and it has on there the three primary uh, websites. I have the that one has my books, my speaking videos, all my TED, Ted talks and TEDx talks. Uh, and it leads to one where I work with businesses who come together online for several years to learn together about this work and how to use it in business. And also the change agent community, where people like you and me who are out in the world, we're educators in universities, we're uh, educators inside of companies. They can come join one of these groups and learn together. My newest book, uh, number six, is called Indirect Work, named after Einstein's The Quantum Cosmology, right? for businesses, communities, industries, and institutions, and humans. And so that book has been uh, a number one bestseller in four categories on Amazon. It just fell out to its only number 64 yesterday instead of number one, but still in the bestseller list. So you can check anywhere you buy books. Thank you, John. I appreciate it.
0: Wonderful, Carol. It has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Carol can do for you. Really lean into this, this disruptive thinking and this regenerative paradigm approach. Check out her books, her, and including her most recent book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose in work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.